you have them with you. Maybe electronic device with your Bible on it. I'm a child of God. Have in my hand. Powerful Word of God. Can change lives. Heal broken hearts. And save man's soul. Here's our prayer. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, how you doing? Or try to copy Don, however you want to do that one. <laughs> All right. Got a couple more weeks in our series, Tempted. I've enjoyed this series. I hope you have. Uh, all of them are online <clears throat> at our website, <clears throat> rocjinx.org. At the top it says, Pastor Harold Speaks. Just push that button and all the sermons come up by date. And you can scroll down, and if you have a hard time falling asleep, plug one of those on, it should knock you right out. But as we begin today, I want to begin with a reminder of what our um, definition of tempted is. Remember, tempted is being enticed, it's right there in your outline, being enticed to step outside of God's will by the promise of pleasure or gain. That's what our working definition of tempted has been through this series. Being enticed to step outside of God's will by the promise of pleasure or gain. Whenever you step outside of God's will, God's best for our life, there is a price to pay. It will cost you. You know that. I know that. And so that's one of the reasons we subtitled, Tempted, Some Choices Kill, because they do. Some choices that we make have sometimes an instant um, consequence, and then sometimes it's a little more long-range consequence. But some choices can kill us. Might be emotionally, might be spiritually, might be relationally, might be in our marriages, might be in our careers. Can kill our future. Can kill what we're dreaming about. I was watching television the other night when we were snowed in and caught a program that talked about the incarcerated women in America and how many we have. We have a, quite a few and For some of them, there's one girl, she went in when she was about 20-something years old, and she's not scheduled for any type of parole until she's 85 years old. That's amazing, isn't it? To think that all of her adult life will be consumed in prison because of one choice that she made. See what I'm saying? It can kill you, can it? All the dreams that are gone. All the opportunities. Today's topic is a big one. Uh, It's one that uh, we don't talk a lot about in church, but need to, and that's the area of sexual temptation. Uh, If you look at your notes, I want to remind you of the powerful verse of 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. It says, but remember that the temptations that come into your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not, or He will keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand up against it. And when you're tempted, He will show you a way out so that you will not give in to it. 
Temptation is not the problem, it's the giving in to the problem. He says, remember that the temptations that come into your life are no different from what others experience. Now in that verse, would you find the word faithful, where it says God is faithful, and circle that word faithful. Circle that word faithful. We can't forget that God is faithful. But how is He faithful? It says He will keep the temptation from becoming so strong that we can't stand up against it. So when we give in, it's because we've allowed that temptation to take root. And when it takes root, it can create a problem. Okay? George Barna is a... um, survey person, Christian person, and they they do a lot of surveys, especially in the Christian world, about different things that people face and are tempted by or trends that they're involved in. And in January of 2013, it's a fairly recent survey, he asked Americans, what is your number one temptation? And by saying temptation, these are the things that Americans struggle with. They don't want to do, they don't want to do, but they keep doing even though they don't want to do them. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> the number one, 55% said eating too much. Any of you identify with that one? Especially the last few days? What's well, a good time? We're during this fasting season. Remember on the back of your connection card, I've asked you to, uh, 10% of you last week wrote down something. I hope more of you wrote down something on your connection card. I forgot to mention that earlier. But I hope that you've done that. If you still have it, we'll do that and then turn it in at the end of our service. 44% said spending too much time on media, watching TV, on Facebook, on iPads. Boy, you know, a lot of people spend time on their Facebook, don't they? Especially at work. You know, creeping, they call it. Creeping on the people's Facebook profiles and pages and seeing stuff. They're trying to find. I don't know what they're trying to find, but they're creeping. My wife likes to creep on people's stuff. I said, why are you doing that? She goes, well, I just want to know. I said, no, you don't. You're nosy. I just got out of the hospital the other day. Let's move on. 44% said spending too much money. Jeff spoke about that a couple weeks ago when he talked about greed. Number four, appropriate for us today, 27% of Americans say my number one temptation is acting in a spirit, a sexually, excuse me, sexually inappropriate way. Sexually inappropriate way. A lot of that going on. A lot of that going on. Then the others were gossiping, feeling jealous, lying, cheating. <laughs> but after asking Americans, what's your number one temptation? Then he said, why do you give in to those temptations over and over? And it's interesting the answers that they gave. If you look at the answers that most Americans gave, it gives you an insight into where we are. 50% of Americans, when asked why they give in to temptations, said, I don't know. So that was their answer. I don't know why I do that. Wow. Well, there are three sources of every temptation that we face. Three sources. But before we dig into those, I want us to look at at, at a verse in James. 
James chapter 1 and verse 13 says, And remember, no one who wants to do wrong ever says, God is tempting me, or ever should say. God is never tempted to do wrong, and He never tempts anyone else either. God doesn't tempt you. He allows the temptation, but He gives you strength to say no to it. If you want to exercise the strength. That's what I've discovered in my own life is my ability to exercise that strength. You can or can't. You might or might not. The month of April, we're going to talk about developing a bod for God. How's that one? That's a great title, isn't it? You ever wanted a bod for God? Well, we're going to talk about that. But these three sources, number one is the world. The number one source of temptation is the world. You know this. The standards are set by the world. Society, culture, constantly changing. Telling us that we as Christians need to just give in to whatever is going on. Uh, I never in my life, in my adult life, ever would think I would see on national television during prime time the swimsuit edition of Sports Illustrated being described in how it was put together. Or that Victoria's Secrets would have a lingerie show on primetime television on one of the major networks. But the media has conditioned us to believe all this. Fifty Shades of Grey. Don't raise your hand if any of you have seen it. Read the books, plural. A young man was arrested He took a girl out and then began to perform what he saw from the movie. And when they arrested him for assault, for rape, he said, well, I was only playing out the roles of what was going on in that movie. But media doesn't have anything to do with establishing our sexual drives and appetites in our culture, huh? See, where did you... Where did you learn sexual information? Did you get it at church? <laughs> Not when I was growing up. You got your hand slapped and hand put over your mouth and ears plugged. No. Talk about that. Well, how'd you find out? Who told you? When Mark was getting married. Corey asked me, he said, Dad, have you talked to him? I said, about what? He said, well, you know. I said, I know what? He said, you know. I said, no, I haven't talked to him about that. He said, well, somebody should talk to him about that. I said, well, why don't you go talk to him? And that ain't my job to talk to him about that. I said, well, that's right. That's the bigger brother. He's supposed to go talk to him. So so where do we get our information? We ought to get it at church. Second source, the world's first and second source is my human nature. The Bible says, and again I think you experience this, that there's a constant spiritual battle going on inside of all of us between God's Spirit and walking the right path, 
being in alignment with God's purposes, and yet choosing a different path. Our nature is constantly pulling us away from God. You notice that. Well, it's true in my life. Don't know about yours. Third source of temptation is the devil or Satan. Flip Wilson made the phrase popular, the devil made me do it. Devil made me do it. <laughs> the devil doesn't make you do anything. Oh, now he may lay the chocolate cake out in front of you at the table. He may put some butter brickle ice cream in the bowl next to that cake. He may put a spoon next to the bowl. He may let some of the icing melt off and drip down onto that butter brickle ice cream. So some of you are saying, man, I'm hungry now. I got you. <laughs> no, we do it. We do it. We do it. Now, Satan is not all-powerful. He, all, he is not all-knowing. He is not all-present. But Almighty God is. So when the cake is dripping on the butter brickle with the spoon next to it, our God says, don't pick up the spoon. <laughs> Just don't pick up the spoon. Everything's going to be fine if you don't pick up the spoon. Amen? Just leave the spoon alone. And why sit at the table? Get up and flee from evil. Amen. Flee from evil. <laughs> Run to the other end of the house. Take the bowl of ice cream and flush it down the sink. Amen. You pour water on top of that cake and it gets ugly fast. Have the dog come over and lick the spoon. Anything to stop you from picking up the spoon. Because as soon as you pick up the spoon, give in to temptation. That's why defeating it is so hard. We have to fight it on three fronts. Not just one, but three. Fight the world, we fight our sinful nature, we fight Satan. And it's a battle. It's a battle. Sexual temptation is a constant pressure. It's in our face all the time. And when we get distracted by sexual temptation, we get distracted to step away from God's best. We usually get into trouble in River City. A woman will dress a certain way. Men's eyes will follow. That's why she dresses that way. We had a teenager some years ago walk into church right here, down this center aisle right here. Had the shortest shorts on I've ever seen any human being put on. And wear to church. And every man in this church, as she walked down that center aisle, I was standing in the back. Trying not to watch her. Because <laughs> you're just naturally drawn to it. That's our human nature. That's our sinful nature. Let's talk about how to navigate some of the landmines of sexual temptation. Look at the verse at the top of the outline, 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 6. It says, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, God's Spirit lives within you. He cares about you. Cares about you. And so that's one, one of the reasons that God cares so much about us is that you don't belong to yourself. For God bought you with a higher price. 
He bought you with a higher price. Okay? So in the last phrase of that verse, it says, So you must honor God with your body. Underline that phrase. So you must honor God with your body. And understand that God cares a great deal about what you do with your body. He cares a great deal about what you do with your body. And whatever you do with your body sexually has a significant impact on your spiritual life and your emotional life. You cannot disconnect the physical act of sex from your heart, your mind, or your spirit. Sex is more than just a physical act. Amen? It is. God doesn't want to take the fun out of sex. He invented it. Don't you know that when Adam woke up and he saw what God had made, don't you know he woke up and looked at her and went, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Oh, Lord, no. His eyes got big. His lips began to quiver. And when God said, multiply, he didn't need to spell it out. The boy understood exactly what he meant. But God honors only that type of relationship in a long lifetime commitment between a man and a woman. That's what God set up. And it's not your job, my job, the culture's job, or anybody else's political agenda's job to change God's plan. God's plan is God's plan. Shut up and leave it alone. Get your hands off of it. And if you think you're going to go outside marriage and find some fun, it ain't going to last. Because if they'll give in to you outside of marriage, guess who else they're going to give in to? (laughs) First step in navigating the landmines of sexual temptation, write this down. It's I agree with God's plan for sexual purity. I agree with God's plan for my sexual purity. Here's the truth. God has a plan for my sex life. He does. And for your sex life. If you're a teenager, He wants you to wait. 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 Oh, preacher, you old-fashioned preacher, you oh my, you don't understand how aggressive these girls are. Oh, preacher. I know. And girls are crazy today. They're absolutely nuts today. I agree 100%. I agree 100%. But, according to God's plan, if you want to follow God's plan, and I recommend that you follow God's plan... You'll wait. I had, I've had girls break up with my sons in high school because they said, one of them, I never will forget what one of them told, told uh, one of them, said, man, you're, you're just too good. Because this girl won't have sex. And they said no. And the girl broke up and said, well, you're too good for me. I, I, I gotta have somebody that's, that's not, not that good. How sad. But I'm grateful that my son didn't decide to lower himself to her level. He wanted her to come up to his. 
That's what I'm talking about. You stand firm of the things and the standards of God, and guess what? They're going to come to your level, or you don't need them. Look how pretty they are. Look how ugly they are. I agree with God's plan for my sexual purity. We learn about sex in school. We learn about it from movies, from television, from friends. A lot of people learn about sex from pornography. All of these are tremendous resources to teach you the benefits and the blessings of sex in, in relationships. Hmm. There's a book that I have every couple read one week prior to their marriage. And I tell them this through the whole premarital counseling time. I said, there's one book I'm going to have you read through the whole thing. It's not a very long book. It won't take you very long to read, but it is a powerful book. And it will get you so juiced up and wired up and flired up, man, you can't wait to get married. And so they keep saying, well, what book is it? I said, I can't tell you until till, till we're almost ready. So a week before the marriage, I tell them to read the book. I said, you ready? And they said, yeah, we're ready. I said, because I want you to understand the author's name is Solomon. And they looked at Solomon, 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 Solomon. You can see their mind working. Saying the book is Song of Solomon. I want you to go read that. One week before you get married. Now, if you're already married, go read the book tonight. You may get through the whole thing. <laughs> it's an exciting book. Talks about relationships. Talks about how powerful those relationships are. Talks about sex and marriage and how important it is. You see, God's plan for sex is for it to be a gift shared between a man and a woman within the context of a lifelong committed marriage. <clears throat> Let me say that again. Because if we're trying to do it otherwise, it won't last. It loses its meaning. It loses its context. You see, when it says, and God will bless them, when God told Adam and Eve to multiply and replenish the earth, whoo, Lord have mercy. There's something special about that wedding night. Raise your hands if you, if you agree with me. Something special about that wedding night. Anybody? Nobody? Somebody? Well, it was special for me. Some of you it was special about halfway. I got you. I, I got you. It's kind of like the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah, I got him. I got him. I know you don't want to admit Especially if you have grandkids here, they're going, oh no, not grandma and grandma. Yeah. <laughs> well, how do you think you got here? <laughs> well, they're just talking at the coffee shop. That's it. That's it. You got it. <laughs> Lettuce leaves. That's right. <laughs> Glory to God. First Thessalonians 4, Paul writes, God's will is for you to be holy, so stray away. Excuse me, stray. Stay. Um, so stay away. See, just plant a little seed, man. Your mind goes crazy. So stay away from all sexual sin. Amen? Stay away from it. Holy means I'm going to be pure. I want to be pure. Then he continues that each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor. God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. If you're connected to anything outside of marriage for this aspect of your life, it won't last. It creates guilt, creates unrest, uneasiness, creates a lot of things that God never intended. 
Because in essence, God really cares about you. And this church cares about you. And that's why I'm challenging you to invite God into your bedroom. Invite Him there. One of the most blessed times is when a husband and wife are connected spiritually. And then that's going to be enhanced in every way possible. Now I understand that things change over the years and illnesses get in, in the way and all those things. But it still doesn't stop a person from being intimate, you see. Because it's not the sexual act that's the important part. It's the connection in your heart. Uh, there's just something special about laying next to your uh, maid and just holding hands in there. There's just something special about that. Or laying in each other's arms. There's just something special about that. And so we all need that. We all need that. Uh, we babysit Mark and Amy's dog last week. And that little dog knows more about intimacy than anybody I've ever met in my life. I couldn't roll over without that dog being next to me. And finally, when I smashed that little old dog, she moved over to Cindy, who doesn't move around as much at night as I do. But yep, there's something about being, being connected and staying connected. And that's what it's all about. And there's our, there'll be competing plans out there for sex. But before you choose which plan you're going to follow, you need to look at the consequences that each of those bring. There are consequences for premarital sex. Because if they've had it with you, Chances are they've had it with somebody else. Don't forget that. Recent studies have come out and shown that if you have sex with a person before you get married, especially if you live with them before you get married, the chance of divorce, the chances of not being uh, with them long term increase greatly. Sometimes too much, too soon, can have a negative effect. The stakes are even higher when you talk about casual sex. Having sex with someone you don't really care about. We all know those physical dangers because you don't know. If one has gotten a venereal disease, guess what? They're going to pass it along. They're going to share it because that's what the community is all about, is sharing it, huh? If you don't think it could ever happen to you, keep thinking that. Galatians 6.8 it says there are consequences when you ignore God's plan. It says those who live only to satisfy their own sinful desires will harvest the consequences of what? Decay and death. Now, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to live your life having to deal with the consequences of living outside of God's plan. Because look at the last part of this. That those who live in, to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So if you live to please God and you live and wait and do the plan right, there is a huge blessing waiting for you. Huge. I ended up having to do the premarital counseling for Corey and Megan. You're talking about uncomfortable, folks. Now, I talk about everything, but that, this is the last part I talked about with them. Because I really didn't want to know. So I was hammering, stammering, stammering. I couldn't answer. So finally, Corey said, Dad, we're not having sex. Well, that's good, son. I'm glad. Okay. All right. Let's move on. Let's talk about the financial planning for the, for the marriage. <laughs> let's move on to something. Because it's very uncomfortable, isn't it? And, and yet we shouldn't be uncomfortable 
to speak to our children, to speak into their life about these things. Someone needs to speak to them on a healthy level in a positive way about the way that God created things. And he created this for us to enjoy. Us to enjoy. Never was it to have guilt attached to it. Never was it ever to have consequences of illness and long-term sickness. It was only established for the good. Amen? And when it's done right, and done in the context of a long-term committed lifetime marriage, and then if one of those dies, God said it's okay to go find you another one. That's what God says. I'm still within His plan. Amen? Dear friend, dear friend, uh, he passed away uh, way too young. Left three children and a wife. She remarried a wonderful man. Been married ever since to this one man, to the second man. And they've had a wonderful, wonderful marriage. And it's just a joy to watch, you see. God, God's going to take care of you. Number two, admit when I'm tempted. Admit when I'm tempted. I agree with God. God, I'm, I'm only going to submit to your best plan. Admit that. What's in it for me? What's in it for you? Some of the common problems that we are tempted with is obviously pornography. Maybe having sex with a boyfriend or girlfriend. Thinking that the relationship will get better if we go ahead and do that. Uh, maybe having too much sex. I, you know, it just seems like that's permeated our whole culture. It's crazy how it is. We deal with a lot of incredible depression and loneliness. And people think if I could just do this or get involved in this this aspect and have sex with people that somehow is going to make me more connected and it doesn't happen. Psalm 139.23 says, it's prayer of David. I hope it's, 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 it's our prayer together. Uh, in fact, let's read it together. Ready? Investigate my life, O God. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. Man. That, that's, an, that's a filleting of your soul and heart to God, isn't it? But we need to do that. We need to do that. Where does sex begin? Where does sex begin? I don't want you to answer out loud. I just wanted, you to, I just wanted to throw that question at you and wake you back up. Where does sex begin? starts right here in your mind. Where does any sin start? Right there. Comes through the eyes into the brain, then we think about it, we begin to regurgitate it, we throw it around, we try to figure it out. How can I do it without God being uh, unhappy with me? Let's see if I go ahead and do it. Let's see, well, if I try, okay, well, if I, mm, 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 mm. see, well, we get, before long, we can give in to the sin and we know that God wanted us to do it. After all, God knows how weak I am. All sex starts in the mind, both men and women, by the way. According to Dr. Luann Brizendine, authored the book The Female Brain, she quotes a study that says men think about sex every 52 seconds. Now, some of you guys are way ahead of me here. I need you to come back into the message this morning. Because I lost you a long time ago. And that means that for the last, some of you for the last, in, in, in the time we spent so far, you've, never mind, let's move on. <laughs> Stay focused, would you? <laughs> but women think, you might think you're a little bit better, but um, women, 
women uh, before, well, they think about sex just once a day. That's it, just once a day. That's about right. Because they think about everything else. Men, not so much. That's all we do. Think about it. So if you're a young man, you're going, yeah, that's all I think about. I know, that's all you think about. But you see, God made us in a certain way. He wants us to learn to control certain things of our life. Just think, if you can control that urge and that drive, how much easier it would be to let the Holy Spirit control other parts of your life. Ah, now we see it. See, you see a bigger picture here. There will always be time to have sex with somebody. And when you're married, it's the best time. It's absolutely the best time. Be careful. Proverbs 4.23 says, Be careful how you think your life is shaped by your thoughts. What you think about will, de- will determine what you do. Job 31.1 says, I have made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a girl. Look lustfully at a girl. That's, that's powerful. Psalm 101 verse 3, I will refuse to look at anything vile or vulgar. You're not going to look at people in a profane way. It's hard if you're looking at pornography not to see things profanely. You will. Being to see each other differently. Some have said, well, I'll just call up my ex-boyfriend or my ex-girlfriend and We've had sex before. We'll just have it again. That's, I just need that. Maybe it's spending too much time at, at a coworker's desk. You know she dresses a certain way, and so you, you know exactly where to stand in order to get the, your eyes full. Second Timothy 2.22. Turn your back on lustful thoughts. Give your positive attention to goodness, integrity, love, and peace. Takes us down to the fourth step to navigating sexual temptation. It's avoid known temptations and look for God's acts. Avoid known temptations and look for God's acts. Lord, lead me not into temptation. You know that part of the Lord's Prayer, don't you? But you probably didn't know this one. I can find it myself. <laughs> That's not in the Lord's Prayer, but it's one that was kind of the way we had it. 1 Corinthians 6.18, Paul says, Run from sexual sin. No other sin, this is so powerful, no other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does, for sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Again, the confines of marriage, you're in great shape. But outside of that, Long lifetime commitment of marriage, it, there's a problem. Martin Luther said you can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can sure keep them from building nests in your hair. So see, you can wave off the temptation. If pornography is a problem, let me suggest to you a website, covenanteyes.com. Covenanteyes.com. It's a way for you to be accountable to someone else. And you set it up. And so once you turn on and you sign in to Covenant Eyes, everywhere you go on the Internet at that point, 
is recorded. And then you determine whether that will be emailed or physically mailed, snail mail they call it, to a person of accountability. And then they can review your list of where you went and hold you accountable. Wouldn't that be great? It's a great, great, uh, it's a pay, you pay for that, but it's well worth it. If you have a problem with it, make yourself accountable to somebody. Especially if you're a married person and you have a problem with that, let your spouse be the person that that's mailed to, emailed to. Remember the promise of 1 Corinthians 10.13. He will help you overcome it. He will show you a way out so that you will not give in to it. And if you know that everything that I'm looking at on the Internet is going somewhere and somebody else is going to know where I've been, you get the idea. Then flip over on the back. Number five, ask continually for Jesus' help to overcome temptation. Ask continually for Jesus' help. Hebrews 2.18 says, Jesus himself has gone through suffering and temptation. He is able to help us when we are being tempted. See, Jesus was fully human. There's no temptation that you and I face as humans that Jesus didn't face in his 33 years of living on this earth and walking on this earth. And it's always bothered me to think that my, my Lord and Savior was tempted sexually. Then I got to thinking, who was one of the women that traveled with him after she was touched by the Lord? It was Mary Magdalene. Well, I'm sure she had a pretty provocative looking wardrobe that she wore. And I suspect she was an attractive woman. Now, I assume she covered herself up better than she did when she was practicing her prostitution. But you get the idea. She knew how to get the attention of a man. So Jesus had to be tempted in that way, but yet he did it without sin. You see what I'm saying? So every way, when he had the cake and the butter brickle and the spoon, he didn't have any problem walking away from the spoon. Mark 14.38 says, keep alert and pray. I want to underline that. Keep alert and pray. Otherwise, temptation will overcome, overpower you. For through, for though the spirit is willing, <laughs> the body or the flesh is weak. That verse is very revealing because we all struggle. We began with the study of George Barna when he talked about temptation. <clears throat> and then he asked the people one last question. He said, how do you resist temptation? When you're able to resist the biggest temptation in your life, what are the things that help you successfully resist that temptation? Number one, prayer. Prayer was the number one answer. It helps people resist temptation. Prayer. In other words, you've got to have a connection with God. And when things come that you know that you're going to have a hard time with, that's when you've got to pray. Amen? You've just got to pray. got to be people of prayer. Using the mind came in at 12%. Focusing on something else, 8%. Recalling Scripture, 3%. Depending on God, 2%. Now one of the challenges on the next step on the back of the connection card was to would you pursue purifying your mind, your heart, and your soul with God. I hope you check that. And if you still have your connection card... And you do, it's on the back of your bulletin. (laughs) It's on the back of your outline. Remind yourself. Remind yourself. 
Remember, we're going through a five-week time of what we're going to give up. I hope that you've spent some time on that. Philippians 4.8. Let's read it together, beginning with the word fix. Ready? Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Think on these things. So when your mind tends to wander, shift your mind to thinking about other things. Why should you have a a picture of your wife on your desk? So you can shift your mind. Why should you have a picture of your wife in your car? So you can shift your mind. Or your husband. You see, you, you get the, you get what I'm saying. Find a way to shift those thoughts to the way they're supposed to go. Let's pray together. Father, I just want to ask you this morning. It's a very difficult subject to talk about. People are uneasy and uncomfortable. One thing I know is that you have created sex in our life for a reason. First, for procreation. But secondly, it was for us to enjoy the intimacy between a man and a woman. That was your plan. I'm in no position to change that plan, to alter that plan, or to assume that I can do either one. Because you've given me no indication in your word that we have the freedom to change anything. In fact, you're very strict and very stern in your statement about if we decide to change things and rewrite things, there's going to be some repercussions. So, Father, I'm praying for those who are struggling in this church, in this group today, who might be struggling in the area of their sexual life. God, I want to give hope to those who maybe have stepped outside the bonds of marriage and have practiced sex with someone they're not married to. The temptations are real. The temptations are valid. The temptations are strong. But one thing I know is that you love us with an everlasting love. And whenever we mess up in life, You've always encouraged us to confess our sin to you and that you in turn will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, Father, my encouragement to those who may have found themselves making a choice that wasn't the right choice, having sex outside of marriage or whatever it is, that God, they then in turn would come back to you Repent of that sin, confess that sin to you, and that you would provide the healing and the forgiveness that they need. I thank you for that promise. I thank you for that love for us, that great love for us. And Father, I'm praying for those that might uh, be looking for a church home that, well, this would be a great church to be a part of, to connect into and to put their roots down and, and, and be an influence in the community. But still greater are those who have never been baptized. Oh, they've believed in you for a while. They've thought, of, they've thought about being baptized. They, they know they need to follow through on that next step. But for whatever reason, are just holding back. Or maybe they've never had anyone teach them what it really means. Father, we'd love that opportunity. 
So if they could let that be known, then we could respond accordingly. But Father, based on today's message, dealing with and overcoming the temptations of sex, may we not look to the world and to what it has to offer, but may we look to your word and never forget how much that you love us and never to forget how much that you care for us and to never forget that even though we mess up and even though we blow it, you still love us. But God, you've given us the strength and the power to say no initially, up front. May we do that. May we be honorable with you. May we be honest with you. And in so doing, then find the blessings that you have waiting for us. God, if there's somebody here today who needs to make a decision of any kind, would they do it today as we sing our hymn of invitation? In Jesus' name, amen.